It sounds pretty clear, right? God provides for his children, so don't be worried about your physical provision. Don't spend your life trying to accumulate material wealth or worrying about what may come down the road. But wait a second, because these are not the only verses on the subject. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skelly, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. Okay, so let's talk about biblical paradoxes. In fact, actually, we're just going to talk about one today. This may become a multi-part series because, especially with the topic of money, there are several paradoxes in the Bible. A paradox is some something that is, on its face, seems self-contradictory, seems self-defeating, but when you dig in further and investigate, you find that it's true. And there are certain truths, certain principles in the Bible that, at first glance, seem like they would uh, go against each other. It seems like they're self-defeating. But the further we dig in, the more we investigate, the more that we find that there's truth and harmony in the pages of Scripture. And the Bible contains a lot of these paradoxes. For instance, uh, humility is the way to exaltation. Humble yourselves. You'll be lifted up. You have to lose your life in order to find it. When we are weak, then we are strong. And we've some of these we're more familiar with than others. But the paradox that we want to deal with today is the idea of, of faith versus saving. Do we put our faith in God to provide, or do we save our money for future need? So I want you to consider the following passages at the beginning, kind of building the case for why we need to have faith in God that he's going to provide for our needs. So these are just a few. These are by, by no means comprehensive. Philippians 4, verse 19, says that God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says not to lay up treasure for yourself on earth where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt, where thieves don't break in and steal. Later on, just a few verses later, he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, about what you're going to wear. Those are the things that the Gentiles seek after. But your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to take care of itself. So all of these passages are encouraging us not to, uh, not to focus in on the future, not to worry about our provision, and teaching us, instructing us, reminding us that God's in control, He is all-powerful, He has all resources, and He will supply our needs. It sounds pretty clear, right? God provides for his children, so don't be worried about your physical provision. Don't spend your life trying to accumulate material wealth or worrying about what may come down the road. But wait a second, 
because these are not the only verses on the subject and about the future. The Bible also does speak about the wisdom of saving in many different places. So consider the following passages. Again, just a few, not comprehensive. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says that there's treasure and oil in the house of a wise man. The wise man does not immediately spend everything that he gets. He saves for the future. And he's in a position to take care of his own needs, his family, even others. That's wise. But that second part of the verse says that the foolish man spends all his, his money, spends it all up. There's no planning. There's no preparation. His life is just one of continual consumption. And it's really concerning because even in our country, the wealthiest nation in the world, you have about half of Americans that are living paycheck to paycheck. And I understand that many of them are below the poverty level, and they really have no space to, to save or have margin in their life because all of their money is going to basic necessities anyway. But there's quite a lot. There's millions and millions and millions of Americans that it's not a matter of, oh, I don't have enough money or don't make enough money. They just, whatever does come in, they spend it. They don't have any emergency savings. They don't have any retirement savings. Money comes in, money goes out, and they just live in that continual cycle. And the Bible teaches that it's wise to save and it's foolish to spend everything you get. Proverbs 13.22 says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A good man is diligent in his planning and saving to such a degree that his wealth is going to get passed down two generations. So that's uh, building a legacy of wealth for your family. That's a good thing. And, you know, the, the diligence and planning to such a degree that you're able to uh, pass wealth down, not just one generation, but down two generations, that's admirable. Now, if my dad happens to be listening to this episode, just passing wealth down one generation, that's fine. That's actually really good. But for everybody else, two generations, that's a great one to strive for. <laughs> so building your a legacy of wealth is, is good for your family. But remember, it needs to be accompanied by a biblical worldview. We don't build wealth just to kick back and uh, indulge our own desires, but we want to be good stewards of God's money so that we can provide for our needs and also be in a position to be generous to the needs of others. A great passage on this uh, principle of saving is in Genesis, in the story of Joseph, and how Joseph, of course, was betrayed, sold into slavery. But God, of course, had a plan for Joseph, and he was in all of that. And uh, God gave Joseph the unique ability to interpret dreams. And so, as it happens, Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, has these unsettling dreams, and Joseph is brought before him to interpret the dreams. And God gives him the ability not only to interpret the dream, uh, the dreams of Pharaoh, but also the wisdom to give Pharaoh the solution to the problem. And so the, the problem was that Egypt was going to have seven prosperous years followed up by seven years of famine, which in an agricultural society would have been a death, a death sentence. That would have been decades to try to recover from a blow like that. And so Joseph says, well, Pharaoh, your dream means that you're going to have seven years of prosperity followed by seven years of famine. And here's what I recommend that you do about it. Set up a system to where you're going to save 
of your produce every year, store it up, have grain, have seed, have everything uh, put in place, have an organizational system in place to make sure that this gets done, and that way your country uh, will survive those seven years of famine and you won't die. And Pharaoh says, wow, what a guy to not only know the interpretation of my dream, but have the wisdom to give me the solution. And he promotes him to second in command, basically the prime minister. And as you read the rest of that story, of course, that's exactly what happens. Egypt does not fail during that time. In fact, during the famine, Egypt's in a position because of their preparation and saving under the hand of Joseph to where not only do their people survive, but Egypt becomes that much richer because all the surrounding nations have to come to Egypt for Egypt for their food. And one of the lessons that we take away from that story is that it's unwise to live under the assumption that prosperity is going to be permanent. Many times we find ourselves in a season of life where things are going well and the paycheck's coming in and we have a nice house and the cars are running fine and we don't have any breakdowns and the AC's fine and the water heater's fine and and health is fine. But it's foolish to live under the assumption that just because things are good now, that means they'll always be fine, that my current well-being is always going to be the status quo. Things can change quite quickly. A loss of a job, uh, uh, an accident, an illness. I mean, think about how COVID has shaken up our world in a way that few of us could have ever imagined just a few years ago. It upended businesses, upended people's lives, entire countries. And millions, probably billions, didn't really have any sort of adequate protection or preparation in place. Uh, emergency fund, a buffer, a margin in their financial life, they're left in a very vulnerable state, really at the mercy of social programs and goodwill uh, to make ends meet as their lives were upended in this, this pandemic. So here's the paradox. Well, what do we do? Do we save our money for the future or do we have faith and trust God that he's going to provide? Well, the answer is both. We do both. These are not in opposition to each other. Instead, they complement one another. We do our part to be a good steward, make wise choices with the money that God's given us, but we don't trust our money. We trust God. We don't put our confidence in our bank account or our 401k or in our property or in our, our doomsday shelter. We put our confidence in God that whatever comes, good or bad, he's going to be in control and we can trust him to provide. And the problem comes when we choose to do one or one or the other and not both. And we've seen examples of Christians that say, oh, okay, yes, I will save and I'll be diligent and I'll plan and I'll put money in my 401k and I'll put money over in this account here and I'm going to pay down my house. And But when push comes to shove, if things get bad, they're going to rely on themselves. They're going to trust their own riches. And Jesus says, that that's foolish. Those things are temporary. They're fleeting. They're fragile. Don't trust your money. Don't trust riches. But we also see Christians that maybe embrace the second truth. And that is, well, I'm just going to trust God to provide and have faith. And you and they use that as an excuse to not be diligent, to not be good stewards, to not make wise financial decisions now and set aside money for future need. 
We need to do both. We need to be diligent, we need to save, and we also need to trust God. Think of it this way. In your own life, unless you live out in the country, you're probably accustomed to locking your doors, whether it's on your house or on your car. When you get out on the road, you put your seatbelt on, you buy a house or you buy a vehicle, you buy insurance for it, and you don't do those things because you don't trust God. Doing those things is not an indication that you don't have faith or that you don't trust God to provide. You understand that you can trust God and also make responsible decisions with your health, with your time, and yes, even with your money. And that's what God calls us to do. Be responsible, make wise decisions, but ultimately, don't trust them. Don't trust your riches. Trust in God that whatever comes, he's in control. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.